In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. So, is there such a person as a perfect stranger? You mean like stranger danger? Well, kind of. But we're, you know what? We've always heard about stranger danger. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're talking today about a different kind of stranger because there's those strangers that we're told to avoid and not talk to because they really are dangerous. But then there's those strangers that are really friends that we haven't met yet or people in our life. So those are the strangers we're going to be talking about today, and we have some special guests talking about it. So welcome to Girlfriend It. We're Lisa and Patty, and we're excited to be with you today and just to talk to some really cool people who have really welcomed strangers into their lives and have changed their lives forever. Oh, I'm excited about our first guest, um, Kim Mishler. We have been friends forever, and um, actually her husband and I went to college together, but Kim, about... Twelve years ago, she welcomed a stranger into her heart. Her a little husband, one. A little tiny one. And um, actually, um, she was going to get this particular stranger all the way from India. But she can tell the story much better than I can. And so, Kim, in, in one radio segment, tell all about your hurts all the way to your hopes in the last 13 years that took place in your life. Welcome, Kim. Hi, how are you guys? Great. That's quite a challenge she just gave you. (laughs) Yeah. I find your story fascinating, Kim, because I was able to go a little bit on this journey with you from um, seeing your precious baby stranger to finding out that you weren't going to be able to get her. So tell us a little bit more about that. Okay. um, My husband and I felt a calling to adopt Oh, even when we were first married, we knew we wanted to add to our family that way. And when our sons, our biological sons, were, oh, a little bit older, probably, you know, five and seven years old, we decided to pursue that. Weren't quite sure um, where that child would come from, and we were praying about that. Um, Joel's mother went on a trip to India, a mission, kind of a mission trip. And while she was there, she visited an orphanage. And when she came back, she was telling us about the these beautiful children, um, and it was just like a red light that went, went on for both of us. We knew that this is where our child was supposed to come from. So we pursued Indian adoption, and it's a very long story, but um, we went through two different little girls. We were referred twice and lost both of them through scandals that happened um, in, in the community in which these orphanages and, and the orphanages themselves were involved in. Um, during that time, we had, I suffered a lot of loss. I lost both of my parents. 
um, our business was failing. We just had a lot of things going on. And my home study um, had kept changing because of these different things that were going on in our life. Um, and one day I just decided, you know what? I laid it all down before the Lord, and I said, you know, we've been praying so hard for this little girl from India, and maybe that's not even who you desire for us. I really felt he had called us to adoption, but I I thought maybe we were going ahead of him a little bit in, in picking and choosing who we would adopt. And so um, I wrote my the agency who had done my home study. They were not involved with the adopt, the Indian adoption at all. But I wrote the agency and said, you know, my home study has changed again, and I just stepped out in boldness and said, we want to be open to the child that God has for us, and if you ever have a situation arise, keep us in mind. And two weeks later, we got the call from the agency saying they had a birth mom in who had pretty much described our family to a T um, when she had filled out what her dream family would be for her child. Wow, that's amazing. I, I love the part where um, you said uh, you guys were maybe going a little bit faster than where God wanted you. <laughs> yeah. Anybody does that. <laughs> <laughs> we're the only ones. Yeah, you that. must be the only ones to ever do that. And and I just love that. That's so true. God lays it on your heart. And sometimes we get so excited. Lisa and I always laugh that um, we get teased that we celebrate our victories way before <laughs> we should. <laughs> Because we, we we get excited, God gives you those desires in your heart, and then you you already start celebrating, even though you really don't know where that victory is and and what it's right. all about. So I just love that. So then, tell us a little bit about welcoming your your new stranger. Then, well, um, you know, we had the wonderful opportunity to get to meet her birth mom, and you know this. This birth mom taught us so much about selflessness and unselfish love. I mean, she really, really had a, a deep unselfish love for this child, and her love was so great that she wanted her to have the best she could, you know, the best she could give her. And she knew the only thing that she could give her was life, because at this point in her in her life, um, she was struggling financially. She had a lot of things going on, and she just knew that she could not give her what she really wanted to give her and so, or what she felt she needed. And so she made that really tough decision to place her um, in, in, a, in a stranger's arms, you know, basically. So um, we had a couple of months to prepare ourselves. Um, as you know, it's, or maybe you don't know, um, it's a little different waiting for an adopted child to be born than it is a biological child. Uh, with the biological child, you have that connection. Um, they give you heartburn. They're, you know, beating you up. You can feel them kicking, and they're wreaking havoc with your body. So there's a little bit of connection and ownership there. But with an adopted child, there's a little bit of a disconnect, and it's kind of driven by fear, um, fear of, you know, mom changing her mind and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I always had to put myself kind of in the birth mom's shoes and kind of take that um, encouragement from her and that inspiration from her during that whole time of waiting and preparing for Hannah um, to just put myself to the side kind of and, and say, okay, God, you know, your will for this child, whatever you desire for this child, you know, we want that to happen and not not so much me, 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 you know, um, let's do what's best for Hannah. And so 
when I was able to do that, there was great peace attached to that. And um, that was really helped our family in preparing for Hannah because we were trying very hard to, you know, desire and ask God to help us plan according to his will. Yeah. Well, um, Kim, there, you said uh, some significant things there. I think so many women and, and our listeners that are out there, um, when you are, when you're carrying that, that child, it, you know, you can prepare. And there's that fear, I mean, obviously, is any mom waiting for that, that child? Um, but the fear of waiting for someone to hand over, for another birth mom to hand over a child to you, and just that fear mm-hmm. of they're going to take the baby back or, you know, something's going to happen. I know my sister who adopted, she had the fear for well over six months that the court would then, once she had the child, um, take the baby back because the father hadn't signed. I mean, there's so many other things that um, right. all the logistics that, that are involved there. How, how did you deal with that? What helped you cope through through all of that? Well, I think you know just um, a lot of a lot of prayer, a lot of journaling. Um, I, I kept a scripture journal during that time. I would just really go to the Word and, and try to you know find those passages of comfort and peace and you know those scriptures that say those who hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. And just remind myself that you know whatever happens. Yeah, we might be disappointed or hurt, or there might be things happening. But if his will is done, you know, we're not going to be disappointed in the long run. So I had to just keep, you know, your your mind can just go crazy. I mean, you can just think of all kinds of things and lay awake at night thinking, what if, what if, what if? And it can just drive us crazy. But, you know, you just have to really trust, and that's easier said than done. You know, it's it's not easy to just say, okay, God, I trust that you're going to take care of this and know that he will, but you have to lay it down continuously and and try not to pick it back up, but we do. We pick it back up, but then lay it down again and trust him with it, you know. Um, a lot of prayer, a lot of journaling. I did a lot of um, just keeping my thoughts in a, in a journal, and I can give that to Hannah someday, hopefully. You know what is it, so interesting um, with your story and, and so many others, it's like when we really do welcome in the stranger, which is not a stranger, it's a precious little girl, but, um, you know, coming from a, diff- a culture that's different than ours and, and a land far, far away. And those decisions affect so many other people, like your own kids and, and just the family dynamics and everything. And so welcoming a stranger um, and taking in somebody that's maybe out of our comfort zones in life, um, it has so many other ripple effects and emotions evolved with it, but it's such a great thing. And I think you've touched on some of those emotions. Um, Kim, we only have less than two minutes. If you were going to tell somebody sitting out there listening, how would you advise them? Just going through the emotions, going through the welcoming, opening up, even talking to your own kids. What's a life lesson that you and your family gained from this whole experience? Well, I think, excuse me, the biggest lesson that we learned was um, selflessness, you know, putting ourselves to the side, thinking of that that person exclusively. Um, You know, Hannah is a different race than us. So, um learning and, and being educated on on how to deal with issues that come up with um, comments that could be made or um, things that children might say and just, you know, talking, keeping open communication with, with our family uh, during that time and during that process. Um, again, keeping good notes and, and journaling and, and giving that as a gift someday to your child, um, I think, 
I think is a really, really good thing. Um, just keep communication open with God, too. That's so important. Well, I love that, Cam, especially the, the journaling, and I wish I would be better at that. I, I always have um, this, you know, going on in my head that I'm going to, you know, wrap up these pictures in a journal and give to each of my children. <laughs> so I really like that challenge. And thank you so much for sharing your heart today from your hurts all the way to the hope on welcoming a stranger, Cam. We were so excited to have you on the show. And go out there and journal, journal, journal. This is Patty Lee. We're <laughs> coming up next. Thank you. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Yes, why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear these latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Come Learn With Me is a show created as much for the host as the audience. Join host Danny Walker Wednesdays at 11, noon central on Togginet.com as she invites you to get your boots on and walk through life's triumphs and troubles with her. Come Learn With Me is the beginning of a movement, a community filled with caring people who share information, allowing everyone to participate, gain, and grow. What works? What doesn't? Your host, Danny Walker, is a self-proclaimed student, not expert, and she'll share very candidly passions, perspectives, failures, her family's battle with illness, her restaurant inspirations to keep being a wife, parent, and more, all the while including industry experts, disease survivors, and guests to add to the mix. For more on Danny and her show, go to dannywalker.com. D-A-N-I-Walker.com. If you've ever searched high and low to find answers to sickness, disease, and debt, come learn with me, and let's get our questions answered together. Come learn with me with host Danny Walker, Wednesdays at 11, noon central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back. This uh, this show, we are talking about welcoming a stranger. And 
how strangers have different faces and come from different places, and yet when we embrace a stranger, sometimes they can really impact and change our lives forever in such a profound way. And up with us next are two significant people, Roger and Judy Edmonds, who I just love. I heard about their story and what they're doing, and they're doing a ministry through Central Christian Church in Arizona that's called Welcoming a Stranger. And what they do, basically, well, I'm going to let them tell their story. Roger and Judy, <laughs> thank you for coming on Girlfriended. It's such an honor to have you. Can you just tell people a little bit about what you do? Because I don't need to tell your story. You do. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for having us on the program. Uh, what a segue, too, because God has prepared us for a long, long time for this ministry. Both of our children are internationally adopted, too. Um, so, you know, for, for years we've had this preparation. But when God first put this ministry in front of us 10 years ago, we said, yeah, that's interesting, God, but thank you, no, uh, this isn't where we're going with our lives. Um, and he just wouldn't take no for an answer. He and way, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> so uh, we, we ended up um, sponsoring uh, an Amerasian family from Vietnam, and it just caught our heart and caught the heart of the church that we were then with. And God has led us step by step through growing this ministry and um, moving us to Central Christian and growing the ministry and uh, sponsoring more and more and more and more refugee families. We've, we've brought in six families in the past year with about 60 members uh, from Central participating on the teams to welcome them. Um, it, it's just, um, it's been a blessing in our lives. Well, we kind of understand a little bit of what that looks like, and we're going to have you explain that in just a minute, because Patty and I were just recently in Africa, and we worked with a lot of women who were refugees from other countries, and we saw just the difficulties and the, the transitions of coming from one country into another country, the language barrier, the cultural differences, um, just, you know, basic things, how to set up a house, how to, how to do public transportation, all those things that we take for granted are such foreign concepts to some of these people coming in. And so we got to experience at firsthand what it's like for them over there to try to kind of integrate into community and society. So I can only imagine for somebody coming from an underdeveloped country, coming into a country like, like ours and to our communities, and all of a sudden they're just kind of thrown in, and it's like it would be overwhelming. So can you explain what you do with these people as they're placed here and Maybe a story, their background. Yes. Um, when, when they come in, um, they have been vetted by the United Nations and by the United States government and um, Church World Service, and then Lutheran Social Ministries of the Southwest is the agency that we work with. We set up the apartment for them, um, gather donations of furniture and everything, and make it look like a home instead of an empty cavern. Uh, we meet them at the airport, and that is so much fun, welcoming them at the airport, seeing them come in, and then bringing them to their new home. Um, they've never flushed a toilet or worked a coin-op laundry or an air conditioner, so those kinds of things. But in general, what, what, the, excuse me, what the church volunteers do, we, we first of all act as guides to 
help them understand U.S. culture and what life is like in America. We're advocates for them, uh, helping them uh, with challenges with their um, apartment complex or, or other things, but most importantly, just becoming friends who offer emotional support, encouragement, and the love of Christ to them. Yeah, some of the things like we, we, we do with them, like we uh, obviously like we play games with the kids. They just love that. Uh, we, we tutor, we read, we sing and dance. Uh, I like to teach them we, we, cooking lessons. They give us cooking lessons. I give them cooking lessons. Uh, we just take them to uh, um, parks, excursions. Um, we help them with uh, birthday parties. We take them swimming, uh, English tutoring, and things like that. So. It's just being a good friend out to them, so they, so they just don't feel lost and scared. Because a lot of them, they're just they're just scared. I mean, they they arrived last family we had a family of seven. They arrived with uh, basically two suitcases, and that's all they had. Mm. Well, that's what's amazing to me. I I watched that movie, uh, Lost Boys of Sudan, and it's just crazy. You know, from our American. Uh, perspective, how we just look at them and think, okay, you know, here's your apartment, go get a job, go get some education, go for it. <laughs> and yeah. it really is a culture shock. I mean, they're coming here not even knowing what a stove looks like. How do you turn on a stove? I mean, all of that where you're you're having to explain even just the, the small details. And um, I was I watched that show and just wanted to cry at what these boys were having to go through and the changes that they just they were they were not familiar with everything that was being thrown at them. So that's so neat that you embrace them that way. And Roger, love that you're like a big kid at heart and like to play and have fun because they need fun in their life. All of us need to have fun and to have somebody sure to give them permission to have fun and laugh and just play games. So love that you bring that aspect into the whole experience, too, because that's so needed. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, what is just really cool is, is how you guys totally, you rallied other people around you um, that, that help. Like you said, there's over 60 people that join you guys and meet people. And when you have a family, I know you t- said recently you had a family with, like, four boys coming in and, you know, because anybody help with four boys, things that boys need. But I was just talking to a girlfriend yesterday, and I was I was talking about you guys behind your back and what you guys do. Uh-huh. And she's like, okay, I, I need to meet them because they just welcomed um, a family from the Conga. And we're needed, just needing what do we do, how do we communicate. So it's such a need here that people don't even realize how many um, refugees really are living among us and kind of strangers among us that just need to be welcomed and befriended. And that's exactly what you guys are doing. And so we're going to have some information on our website so if people want to get involved on some level, whether it's just giving donations, whether it's, you know, I want to throw a birthday party. It's those things that are so significant, but sometimes we don't think about it. Can you? That's, that's right. And, you know, it's just um, prayer, of course, is, is the biggest support of all. But we need more people to get involved to to walk with, with these families, it's, it's just incredible. You go out like we did on Saturday and um, head and shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, knees and toes. It was so much fun. The whole family was involved. We were just falling down laughing, and they were learning, and we were relating, and it was just awesome. There are 3,700 refugees coming in to Arizona uh, in a year. Wow. And 
you know, there, there are only a couple dozen of those who get church sponsors, and those who don't get church sponsors are hanging out there with no support. Mm-hmm. We need more church sponsors. We need more people walking with these families. And, and the, the neat thing about this is you can be a, be a sponsor as an individual, as a couple, or as a family, because most of these families are mother, father, and children. Mm-hmm. And so th- this is something that church people can get involved with as a family and family to family develop these relationships. And it, it, it's such a blessing not only to the refugee family, but to the church family. Absolutely. We were really wired to give and to give ourselves away. And I think so many times as Americans we get very comfortable and we don't like to sacrifice our time or our convenience and to step outside of our comfort zones because we have our routines and our schedules, and it's really hard to see the needs beyond our own. And so sometimes it's so good to be challenged in a way like you're, you guys are throwing out statistics, 3,700 immigrants come in, and just what people are they're, – they're walking among us, and yet are we really looking for them, and are we really seeing what's really in front of us? And that's been a challenge. I know with Patty and I, we really want to rally women to go see what's really in front of you. You're looking, but are you really seeing? And seeing the needs, and not just seeing them, but – doing something about that. And I know we have taken in several women um, from different areas and rallied girlfriends around them, help them get jobs, help them to get financial aid, help them to get clothing, whatever. And so it really is the community and the church community coming together and going, there's some significant needs, and we need to be welcoming these uh, people in with open arms and with resources. And I have a I have a cynical, skeptical question. When you're opening arms, I, I know that so many um, refugees, they see Americans as, okay, we, we're going to do the handout. Do you experience that where they expect money and they expect things to be given to them? Um, not usually. Um, two, two quotes that I would say from two different refugee families. Um, one of the single moms who moved in with, with her kids and not into a very good neighborhood, she looked at me one afternoon and she said, you know, I didn't come to America for streets paved with gold. You know, I'm not here to, to get rich or have a lot of material things. I'm here for peace. Wow. That's and you know what? There's different lens and sometimes, because sometimes we look at things going, I'm here, I'm trying to get this job to get more money, to get more things. And to them, they really just want peace, and they want a lifestyle. and they do. Uh, Life, you know, just a, a simple life of just being able to enjoy family and friends in a comfortable place that's not war-torn. And so what you guys are doing is so significant. You talked about being advocates. We have less than – we have a minute left. And in that minute, um, I want to be your advocate because Patty and I love being other people's advocates. You talked about you guys are advocates for, other, for these refugees, but you guys were just recently recognized in D.C., for the work that you are doing here. And what you guys are doing is that significant, and it's being recognized. And you need an army to come around you and help meet the need. So we want to help just rally an army for you. And I know that people can find you on our website, and they can get in touch with what you're doing, which is so significant. So we just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for welcoming in a stranger and all that you are doing. And um, you have 30 seconds to say a, a closing word. <laughs> well. You know, throughout the Bible, God's heart for the nations is demonstrated. 
And sometimes people think you have to move to Africa or Asia to, to demonstrate that love to other cultures and religions. But whatever your time, whatever your talent, whatever your treasure, there's a place for you right here. And that is right. so well said. This is Patty and Lisa. Stay with us. Coming up next. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pidron. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Togginap.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. everybody. This is Pete Dix of Beatles and Beyond. You're listening to George Harrison jamming in the background here as I'm preparing the next show for you. So why don't you listen to Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix on this radio station. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back to Girlfriended. Our next guest is a fabulous friend of ours, Carrie Seethers. And Carrie has a crazy, crazy story. We are talking today about welcoming a stranger and Carrie, you, I want you to go ahead and tell the story, but I, we are curious when we say welcoming a stranger, if you've ever welcomed your birth stranger into your life. So on that enticing note, why don't you go ahead and share a little bit about what has happened to you over the last three decades? Okay. Um, three decades in a couple of minutes. Let's see. <laughs> um, Aren't you glad she didn't say five or six decades? No, you're not that old, but, you know, no. she could have said more decades, so. <laughs> well, I'll start by saying that I was um, raised by two amazing people, um, my, my mom and my dad, and that's how I'll refer to them, my mom and my dad, because that's who they are to me. And um, found out when I was 28 years old that my father, my dad, who raised me, was not my dad that um, he took on the role of raising me from the time my mom was pregnant, and they fell in love and, and had a relationship, and um, he, I never knew. I had no idea that he wasn't my father. 
um, until that bomb was dropped at 28 years old and sort of shattered my world. Um, he, after my parents divorced, he, I actually lived with him. So I had really no way of knowing that he was not my father. He played that role completely. And um, I How learned... Go dropped. ahead. I mean, that is a huge bomb. That is like a grenade that literally came tossing in. When you're 28 in. years old, you're not expecting that grenade yeah. to come in. Not at all. And because I had no reason to think otherwise, it really was a bomb. And, in fact, both of my parents said they told each other when, they were preg- when my mom was pregnant with me, they said they never wanted to tell me. My dad was happy to raise me. He was happy to be my father. And they didn't ever want to tell me. But um, we had family members who knew the truth and said, you know, she really should know. But, and so they didn't want me to find out from somebody else. So they ended up having to tell me. And, and it was very traumatic. My mom, did, because she didn't want to tell me, it was very difficult for her. And um, it, it, was, it was shattering for me because I didn't want that to be my truth. I didn't want my dad not to be my dad. And he is my dad. I mean, and people tell me that every time I say this, tell this story. You know, he really is my dad. He raised me, and he loved me like a father would love me. But I didn't want that. I didn't, I wanted to be his. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I, I wanted to be his, so I never wanted to even acknowledge that he couldn't possibly be mine. And he sounded like he was an amazing man. I mean, to really take that on and to love you like his own, like that, where you had no idea that it was anything, he was anything but your real dad. Well, you wonder how many times they thought, okay, she's going to find out. We need to tell her. I mean, that, that's a pretty huge secret. <laughs> you know, I really admired them both for holding that secret as long as they did because it could not have been easy. It couldn't have been easy when I had silly questions like, why am I blonde and neither one of you are? <laughs> You know, why Why do I have freckles and neither one of you do? They couldn't, those moments for them had to have just been wrenching. And, you know, knowing the truth and having to hold on to that because they wanted to, it couldn't have been easy. But it was a choice they made and a choice that they, they were going to hold on to forever. So the question is, did you welcome in the stranger your birth father? Have you met him? Oh, no, I haven't met him. I feel like... Um, he he walked away from the situation. Yeah. And, it you know, I have no ugly feelings toward him at all, at all. God gave me the parents he wanted me to have. Mm-hmm. And this man made a choice to walk away, and I'm okay with that. And I really have no interest in, in pursuing that and going to look for him. Um, I know who my parents are, and I know who my first parent was, and that was God. And he put exactly who he wanted in my life. Mm-hmm. So it really is not a struggle for me to think, oh, you know, who's this man out there who rejected me or who I don't have those feelings. I don't have those stresses or anxieties because I know that God put me where he wanted me. And that is such a great attitude to have. And so when your when your father told you that when when the bomb hit, did were you able to go to him and and express that or did it take a while to get all those feelings and emotions worked out to be able to... I definitely had some emotions for a while that were hard. And um, what really helped me with him... See, my mom came into town to talk to me first, and she told me my dad came the next day, and all I wanted to do was run to him and 
have him hold me, my dad, you know. And um, when he looked at me and said, nothing changes, that really set my heart at ease. He looked me in the eye the day after I found out, and he said, this changes nothing. You're still my daughter. That is the coolest thing. I know when we were in Africa, there was this woman that got up and shared, and she said, I'm going I'm to share a story that I've never told in public before. So immediately you're leaning into her to hear the story. And she basically told about how she had been raped and had given birth to this boy, and this man wanted nothing to do with her and left the country and whatever. And so when he was about two, she, she fell in love with a really cool guy. Sounds like you're, you know, your father. Mm-hmm. And he just totally embraced this child and, and adopted him and loved on him. And, and, I mean, for all he knew, that was his father. And so she said how she struggled just growing up as, when do I tell my son and how do I tell my son? And so she said, I just would pray about it and going, God, I don't know. Just let me know when the right time is and how to do it. So she said that when he... Her son was 17. She decided that God was leading her to say, this is the time. And so she went to talk to her son. And I can only imagine, it's like what your mom went through. It's like, okay, I have to drop this bomb now. Uh-huh. I'll tell you something. And so she said she just started, um, you know, telling the story. And as she's revealing this to him, her son looked at her and said, Mom, it's okay. I already know. God's been wow. in my heart. I, I've known, and I'm okay, and I love him. And she said it was such a relief um, to know. And I walked away from that story just going, okay, we don't always have to figure everything out. It really goes back to praying and going, God, you prepare the other person, too, to hear what I have to say um, so that by the time I, I do have to drop a bomb, if there's a bomb to drop, that that person is, you know, the path has been paved a little bit. And the rest of that story with this lady and her son is he eventually, um, he became a, a, a pastor, and when he was getting um, married, he invited his real dad to come over, and he hadn't seen his dad. His dad came, and and long story short, his dad became a believer. And wow. They kind of got reunited, but he still loves the, the, the man that he always thought was his father. So it's mm-hmm. just a cool thing, but it is cool how God sometimes will pave the path. Absolutely, and I, I have no doubt that someday God will put that in front of me, and, and it'll be the perfect time for me to deal with that or for me to approach that. But I'm not searching for that, and I know that God will lay that out if he wants me to know that information. Mm-hmm. So what would you tell, because we know we we run into people, we meet women all the time that find out or that need to tell uh, a child that have adopted and need to tell a child at some point, you know, you have another birth mother or father. What are some guidelines or some things that you would just, you would share with with women or people who maybe are in one of those situations? Well, I would say pray first and foremost, because that is truly what gets, got me through the whole thing. Um, was leaning on Jesus, and um, I would say do it in a sensitive way because it's not an easy thing to say. I, I mean, I say it was a bomb that was dropped, and that sounds huge, but my parents were really sensitive in the way that they approached me with it. I think that's really important. Um, it's not an easy thing to hear, so the, the recipient of the news is going to hurt, regardless of what, how, you know, I told you my parents were amazing parents, but it's still painful to know, to hear this kind of information. Mm-hmm. So well, I think sometimes we we have to give people, um, like if we're if we're sharing something, the opportunity to grieve and to feel the pain a little bit. And I think I know that me as a as a peace loving person, I don't want anybody to feel 
you know, conflict or angst. So if I say something, then I want to fix it right away and not let them feel the pain. Uh-huh. It's okay to go through your own journey of grief and pain and to work through those emotions without somebody trying to, you know, trying to fix it until it's okay. Like you have to go through your own process to come out on the other side to go, I'm really okay with this. Yeah. And my dad, my dad was very comforting in that when I would call him and talk to him about it. And he was, he said, you know, if you have any questions, don't hesitate. And you can do with this information whatever you want. You can tell people or you can keep it to yourself. It's completely up to you. And he allowed me to own the entire situation. I love that. It's like a metamorphosis going from that cocoon to the butterfly. Yeah. You really have to process it on your own time. If anybody cuts out those steps, then you kind of come out a little weaker than you than Exactly. You and I think so many times we want to cut out steps for people mm-hmm. and yeah. make it easier, and especially when there are children. Oh, absolutely. We don't want our children to suffer or go through a tough thing, and sometimes that's the very thing they need to to go through to develop their character and their confidence mm-hmm. and who they are. I find absolutely. myself in praying that way. Like you, You're praying almost for safety rather than allowing them to go through dangerous scenarios to build their character and become the best person they can be in Christ. We have a tendency to pray, oh, please help them to not have to go through that today. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than bring it on, God, let, let them grow. And, yeah. get, and asking for them to have the strength. To, yes. to get, and letting them emerge as a strong person that can handle that. And, and Carrie, we have less than two minutes which has been so great, you sharing your heart, because we know that so many women are out there. They're either on your side of it or on your parents' side of it yeah. <laughs> um, with, with welcoming a stranger and, and having to have a difficult conversation. And so many times in life, the most significant things emerge from a difficult conversation of clarifying something, uh, clarifying a relationship, clarifying communication. And we're so hesitant to go into those danger zones of conversations. But that is when we get clarity. That's when you get healing. That's where you get hope. So in, a, in about a minute, summarizing your three decades, which you've done very well, I must say, <laughs> 15 minutes, what would you leave our listeners with? Just um, I know you said something, either whether on the journaling things, we know you love to write. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things that you really found helpful and you have one minute? Go. <laughs> Well, again, I, I do love the journaling idea. I, I love to write, but I'm not as much a journal person as um, some of your other guests. But I would say um, keep lines of communication open and talk, talk, talk. I am a total talker. I mean, if, if I had more time here, I would keep going. But um, <laughs> I, um, I, I lean on God first, but I always want to talk things out with my girlfriends or with my family. I have amazing family that that are very open to that. So I would say find people that you can rely on and talk to. Very important. I love that. Surround yourself with that support group and that accountability group that you can really talk because talking it through or journaling through is so therapeutic, and that way you can really understand who you are and who God wants you to be, and yet not having that be your identity if you are in Christ. So thank you, Carrie, so much. You're welcome. And this is Lisa Jernigan and Patty Wyatt with Friended.com. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com.
It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. Hello everybody, this is Pete Dix asking if you'll join me on Beatles and Beyond on this radio station. What a show I've got in store for you. Not only all the Apple reissues that I'll be looking at, some very rare tracks indeed, a report on my evening watching and listening to Neil Innes of the Ruttles and the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. So please join me, Pete Dix, with Beatles and Beyond on this radio station. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on Toginat with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey, Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central, on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, thanks for joining us today. We, we wind down our show. We've been talking about welcoming a stranger and what does a stranger look like and who is a stranger? And, and a lot of times a stranger is just merely a friend we haven't met yet or a family member to welcome into our homes. And our, and our next guest is Erin Narducci, who we just love, her family and what they're doing. And they are literally reaching out across the world. And they have taken in a child from Ethiopia. But not only that, you guys have a heart for the nations. And are, you work all over the world and are working with a lot of these refugees and just people that are strangers in their own land so many times. So welcome, Erin, to Girlfriend It, and it's an honor to have you. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. Well, we're going to tell you, like we've told everybody else, you have 15 minutes to tell us your life story and to tell us all about welcoming a stranger. So um, that is your challenge right now to join us because um, we know that, you know, we have the gift of gab, and so we have to kind of, you know, tame ourselves. But can you tell us a little bit about your journey um, with just welcoming in this precious child from Ethiopia and then also the extended work that you guys do? Uh, yes, um, we actually uh, decided to go to Ethiopia, um, gosh, about five years ago, and um, just wanted to see what God was doing there um, as far as ministry and um, meeting physical needs at the same time. Um, so at that point, Justin and I went and uh, with a couple of friends and visited Ethiopia, and we just kind of fell in love with the country and um, just... Came back and we were getting ready to start our family. Um, we actually we got pregnant and then lost that baby. And then we decided that we were going to go ahead and start the adoption process. 
And um, since we'd fallen in love with Ethiopia, we decided to go um, through there first. Then we ended up um, getting pregnant again and decided to keep going with the process because we knew that that was something that God was putting on our hearts. And so um, we ended up bringing home two years later after a lot of paperwork and a lot of money and time and prayer, and we ended up bringing home um, our son, Trevor, who was at the time 10 months old. So he had been found, um, he had been abandoned um, on the porch of a church in a rural area of Ethiopia, and then had spent um, at about one month of age, and he was, he weighed about four pounds when they found him, and then they brought him in, and he was at the orphanage until 10 months old when when um, Justin and then my father and father-in-law were able to go and pick him up and bring him back uh, home to us. So that wow. was You know what's so hard is to hear, like you said, all the paperwork and all financially what it costs to bring a child here um, when you just wish they could, you wish it could be so much simpler because there's so many kids that really need great parents and a great home. And that stops a lot of people, is the finances. It really does. It was very expensive. And Mm -hmm. um, we were just thankful that God provided for us um, in several ways, and and we were able to do that. So it was was a huge blessing. But it's definitely definitely challenging, too, with – I don't think a lot of people realize how – difficult it is um, because you really are, it really is a stranger that's coming into your house. And especially we had a 13-month-old biological daughter at that point, And then we have this new baby who's really sick and really behind and just has no um, attachment because he's just been taken care of by so many different people. Um, even though they did their absolute best that they could, it's just yeah. not the same as a family. So it was, um, we've ended up doing, you know, a lot of different therapy, and um, he's doing great now, but it, it's definitely challenging, and people don't always, um, I, don't, I don't think that we were very well prepared for all of that beforehand, so. And you know what, and that's just a good point, because I think sometimes, you know, it sounds really good to welcome a stranger and bring them in, and we totally need to, but there are some, some realities to that. And like you're saying, it's like you've you got some, you know, therapy going on. And just like you, when you bring somebody into your life, whether it's a child, where it's somebody off the street, where it's somebody you know that's looking for a home, you also bring some of their baggage, some of their, their life issues with them into your life. And it's like being ready to, to deal with that. And sometimes you don't have the tools and you don't know how to do it. So how do you, when you discover these things and you said you weren't really prepared, how do you get prepared? What did you guys find yourself doing? Um, well, we really um, tried to reach out to all the resources that we could. Like, we, you know, I mean, it was amazing how God, like, we had just brought him home, and God put this woman, like, I just ran into her at Target, and I could tell that her kids were adopted, and she ended up, like, sharing with me all of these things that they had done and what they wished they had done with, like, attachment and with um, making sure that they developed that bond, like, from the beginning. And I feel like that... Um, saved us so many um, heartaches because she was so vulnerable and open with us. So she shared that, and then um, we ended up going in and trying to be uh, proactive with, like, taking him to do, like, attachment therapy and stuff right away. And so we've done that at two different points with two different therapists, and um, it's been really good, like, to kind of, 
I think not to just think, oh, it'll get better, you know, because it it is difficult because these kids really do have, you know, being in an institution really does does change you no matter how um, how young or how small of the time you were there. So, so that was really good. Just I think reaching out and and asking for help before it got too difficult was good. And you know, and we kept, you know, we feel like anything that's going to be good for the kingdom ultimately is going to be something that's going to cost you something. So we definitely feel like this has had a cost, but we, you know, we've got had reward tenfold too with this beautiful little boy that's and the door, you know, that are willing to, to pay the price to get involved in other people's lives. It was interesting because talking about a stranger, um, yesterday I was walking into the grocery store and I parked my car and I'm walking down and I see this lady uh, that's parked in the handicapped and, and she's um, an older lady that is, she has this cart full of groceries with heavy cans and milk and stuff and she's trying to put these bags into her trunk of her cart and she's really out of breath and you can tell she's struggling. So I walked over to her and I go, can I help you put your groceries in there? And she looked up at me and she goes, why, do you want my cart? And I said, no, I just, I would like to help you because um, you got some heavy things there. And she goes, well, I can do it. And I go, I'm sure you can, but I would just like to help you because these are heavy things. I know I would like help. And so I started putting them in there, and she goes, okay, well, that's really nice of you. And it's like she didn't know what to do with somebody offering to help from a stranger. And I think so many times we are skeptical of help from other people. And I think because we get those reactions, sometimes we're skeptical to help somebody because they don't know how to – it can be uncomfortable sometimes when you engage with a stranger. Well, I've done that even with someone in a wheelchair and they're struggling with the door when you could go help them and then you think, I don't want to offend them. And that's so silly. It's You just go, okay, they need help. Go help them. And we do. We have this lens of of helping others. And it's, it's sad because we're, I think it's because we're not familiar with that kind of help, <laughs> which is really unfortunate. Yeah, and, and strangers have different faces, like we said, and, and like you welcoming the child and all that comes with that and, um, and, and how it affects your family and your family dynamics and your time, and it's not, it's, it's not the same. Life has changed forever, and willing to pay that, but like you said, the blessings and just the, the outcome are so significant when we do allow ourselves to open up to other people. Well, um, our sound engineer says if you go to Texas, the men still open the doors and help all the strangers out. So that's Thank good you. to know, Carrie. That is good to know. <laughs> <laughs> so they won't look at you skeptically when you do that, what you're saying. <laughs> well, we know, Erin, um, that you and Justin, you, you also reach out to people, to strangers all over the world, and you hear these stories of people that just need to be loved and need to be welcomed. Um, can you share a story with us of, of just somebody that, has impacted you that just from a, sometimes it's just the simple gestures of just saying hi or smiling to people. People don't get in even human interaction with them that's validating. Yes. That? We, definitely. Um, you know, it was one, when we were living in um, Nairobi last year for a couple of months, um, I felt like so many of our interactions there were interesting. It was very humbling to be um, the outsider too, for me, and so, um, but but to go get past that and to then try to reach out to others was really 
um, neat because I had, you know, people have a lot of stereotypes and, so, you know, so, the, and of course I have, you know, a, a Caucasian child and an African child with me and, you know, so I, they had all sorts of ideas about where, <laughs> how that had happened. But, um, <laughs> so it was like getting past those, you know, to be like, you know what, I'm still going to be kind and, and friendly and reach out to these people. And, you know, I think about like, we ended up building like a great relationship with, um, a lot of the people that, that worked on, in the apartment complex that we were staying at. And, you know, I think just, um, I think through us being always friendly and saying hi and things like that, then at one point one of the um, guys that was a groundskeeper there, he was young, and he ended up coming down with malaria, and he was clearly very, very ill. And he had he didn't have anything, um, any way to pay for the hospital. So he can, he ended up feeling comfortable enough to come to us which which was wonderful. Like he, we were, we just were really happy that we were able to give him, you know, I mean, and it was just a very small amount of money in our terms, but to get, be able to get him this treatment, um, you know, and he comes back and he brings us the receipts to show us that he had done it, you know, and spent his time in the hospital. And, you know, I mean, it was just like, uh, he was just the sweetest, the sweetest guy. And I don't think that he would have, you know, if we hadn't taken the time to, to try and reach out as, as best we could. In the meantime, I don't think he would have felt comfortable doing that. And so it was just neat to be able to have God be able to use us in, in little ways like that. And, you know, my kids, we would go to an orphanage there and, and it was amazing. Like just watching, watching my kids, you know, Trevor's trying to teach the babies to roll over. So he's doing like examples, you know, I mean, he's like, love that moments. <laughs> and you know what very, very fun. about that is we only have one minute, but what is so cool about what you're saying is just get involved and just do it. And it's the little thing. Sometimes we think we have to do something on such a grand scale, raise all this money or do something so noteworthy, but it's just doing the small things, teaching a child to roll over, getting your kids involved. They're seeing needs when you're doing just your simple, ordinary things in life, looking around to seeing the people around you and seeing, is, is there something that you can do? As simple as unloading groceries or opening a door or just smiling at somebody because you never know what kind of a day somebody's having and a smile can make a huge difference. And Erin, we just thank you so much for joining us. And you know, you guys have been such an example to so many others about what it really can look like to welcome a stranger into your home and to love them and the difference it makes and in your life and in your kids. So we just appreciate you. And uh, we're going to have to have you back because we love your energy and love your life. But we've been talking to you about welcoming a stranger. We challenge you to go out today, look and see a need, do something about it, and make a difference in somebody's life. This has been Lisa and Patty and it's Girlfriend at Radio. Have a great week. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show designed.